The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. What show are you listening to? You don't know. It could be Fantasy NBA Today. It could be the box score breakdown. It's crossover day, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris, and who the hell's the other guy? This is Kurt Beach, a.k.a. Cap. What's Just up, man? excited to be here, Dan. Crossover episode. Does that get the juices going for you? Yes, sir. I think we're probably <laughs> throwing a few people off guard right now. They are, yeah. They tuned in. Well, particularly the box score folks are like, wait a minute. Is this what the hell am I listening to right now? Uh, Kurt, you're normally with Josh, uh, but of course we got Thanksgiving stuff. So Mr. Millman is unavailable for this Wednesday evening show. And this is normally when I'd be doing a lot of my fantasy NBA today recording anyway. So we thought, hell, this will be fun. We'll do a little crossover, uh, folks listening to the box score breakdown. You'll get to hear a little bit from the fantasy NBA today side and, and anybody listening to my show, this is a great opportunity for you to get a feel for what's going on on our uh, nightly show, Box Score Breakdown, which, Kurt, I know you guys do an amazing job. You get this out right as the games are ending. Uh, it's up before people go to sleep at night, so it's really the first opportunity for folks to get at the information, which that's what it's all about. You know, if you're waiting until the following morning, I listen, I'll take a shot at my own, sh- uh, my own show. Uh, if you're waiting until the following morning, you've often waited too long, so you guys are doing great stuff. I, I, I love what you guys are putting together. Thanks, man. We, we do our best. We have a lot of fun. I used to, I know myself, I used to listen to Adrian and Neil pretty much every night last year. And when you want to make a move, you just want somebody to agree with you or disagree with you, it, maybe agree with you and give you that warm, fuzzy feeling before you're making that ad or that drop. And so I might know who I want to pick up on a given night. And then hearing somebody else kind of confirm that just gives you those warm fuzzies. So that's what got me <laughs> tuned in. And I've been tuning into your show every morning as well. Well, let's give people some warm and fuzzies. Why don't we dive right into this stuff? Um, listen, I'll throw out at the top of this thing. Uh, the recruiting push at Hoopball continues. If you guys want to get involved as a contributor over here, hit us up uh, at Dan Bespris. You can send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. You can hit up the cap. You can hit up the cap at C-A-P-T. So capped. How do you actually pronounce Canagus? Uh Canagus. Canagus. K C C A P T C A I N E G H I S. You didn't make it easy on us. I I didn't. It's it's not one that's helping me on the on the Twitter side get any followers. Yeah, I'm gonna probably we'll just we'll tag you. If you're looking for Cap, just look for this tweet and we'll tag him in it. So um yeah, let us know. Let us know if you guys want to get involved over here. We're obviously building out a sales team, which is the new big push. Uh, always looking for podcasts and writing contributors. So come on, hit us up and uh, join the madness. Join the chaos here at Hoop Ball. Uh, Cap, get us started here. What's the first game on the docket? All right, good, sir. So with it being a massive slate today, kind of a pre-Thanksgiving feast, we have 14 games for you guys today. So we're going to try to be a little judicious here on who we spend time on, kind of trim the fat a little bit. Yeah, I like that idea. Yes, sir. So let's jump into the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. Celtics won this one 121 to 110. 
Torian Prince has been down a little bit. He had 12 points, four threes, not much else. He was one of my favorite end of draft kind of picks this year. And he's losing a little bit of steam, unfortunately. He's he's moving kind of toward the cut line for me. Jared Allen was really good with 17 and 14. Spencer Dinwiddie had 16 and 11, but missed a bunch of shots. He was 5 and 19 from the field. Joe Harris had a solid game with 21, 5 and 2. He nailed five triples and had two blocks. Solid game for Joe Harris. Garrett Temple, probably one of the guys on this team that you're looking at as a potential pickup. He had 22, 2, and 3 with one steal, one block, and six threes and solid shooting. I don't think he's really a standard league pickup, though. He's probably more of a 14-16 teamer, and he could disappear completely when Kyrie comes back. Off the bench... DeAndre Jordan did not play today. And honestly, Dan, I don't see a whole lot else on the bench worth yeah. mentioning or that moves the needle in terms of potential pickups. Yeah, nobody on the bench take? played nobody off the bench played more than 19 and a half minutes. It's tough to get much done if you don't crack the 20 minute plateau. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um the only thing I've been watching on the Brooklyn side is kind of, you know, what shakes out with no Kyrie Irving. And I, I haven't been willing to take the plunge on almost any of these guys, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, who had a bad shooting game, he's he's obviously been doing more than enough. Um, I'm curious what goes on with Jared Allen when DeAndre Jordan comes back, because he's been getting a lot of run. Horrible free throw shooting game in this one for for Allen. I think he went, what, 5 for 12? Ooh, yeah, yeah. I missed that. 5 for 12, that, that really hurts you there. But overall, he's been really good with no, uh, no DJ in there. I like Joe Harris when he's getting these opportunities. It, it, they seem like they actually play better as a team, uh, in, in some of these games, no Kyrie problem is, you know, they had a really easy schedule. They had like four games in a row against terrible teams. And, and now they ran into a pretty good one. Um, and I'll just throw a few Boston numbers out there. Kemba Walker, who, I, I mean, I can't believe how fast he came back from that scary neck injury had 39, six and four, six threes and a steal Jalen Brown, double doubled, um, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, obviously that's the stuff, but the, the name that I thought would be fun to kind of pause on for a minute is Daniel Tice who we've been talking about at Hoopball as a guy that sort of grabbed the starting job by the reins, and he looked great, super efficient, 14-8 and with two blocks, 6 out of 10 shooting. He made both of his free throws. He looks like he could have a little bit of upside beyond that sort of late, barely hanging on kind of center. Like, you know, Cody Zeller is a guy that comes to mind as the center that just hangs on to value. Tice feels to me like he could creep into that top 90 range, and that's very much a usable guy in a 12-team league. Absolutely, sir. What is your take on Cantor? I've seen some questions on him, and he got drafted. For anyone who missed out on a big man, lots of people were taking him as a guy that could get you 14 and 8, 12 and 10 in those later rounds. And I didn't own him anywhere, but I would have moved on by now. I think I don't even know if he's a 14 teamer. Would you own him in a 14 teamer? Or no. What what kind of format or league size do you need to be? And to be looking at Cantor. 16 or greater, I think. And, and even that's a, uh, a stretch. You might even be looking at 18 if you're getting to that point. He, he's just, he's not going to see any minutes. Uh, they like Tice. They like his defense. The Cantor thing is presumably for a little bit of extra scoring punch, but they're getting that from Kemba. They're getting it from Brown. They're getting it from Tatum. Uh, they don't have the lack of scoring that maybe there was maybe a, a little bit of a fear. Guys finishing around the bucket, they're, they're just... Their smaller guys are taking it to the rim instead. So I, 
I don't see Cantor playing more than about 14, 15 minutes, and that's that's not enough. So for me, he's a drop in almost every normal fantasy league at this point. I've, I've moved on. I agree, good sir. All right, jump along to the next one, Utah-Indiana. I don't know that we're going to have to talk a ton about this ball game. Uh, I'll do the Utah side. You can give us some Indiana numbers. But both of these teams are clubs where you're basically focused on the starters. Uh, I mean, obviously, in general, there's exceptions here and there. Boyan Bogdanovich had the big one for Utah with 30 in a blowout loss, which is great because most of the guys ended up not putting good numbers together. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had 26 and nothing else. Rudy Gobert, 14-13, but didn't get much going on the defensive side. Uh, I've been getting yelled at for being low on Donovan Mitchell, but in 9-cat, he's outside the top 30 now, so he's he's behind his ADP again, so I I don't know why I'm getting yelled at about this. Um, Joe Ingles did have 12 and 4 steals. That's like two out of three games that have been okay for him. But he's still, for me, on the outside looking in. I'd, I'd need to see him do it three, four, five times in a row. Um, and, and otherwise, with Utah, you, you basically know what you're going to get, especially if they're not going to get waxed by a team on a night. What, what's your feelings on Joe Ingles? I think he's the only guy really worth talking about on the Utah side. Well, sir, my feelings on him are, are a little bit of anger because I'm going up against him in a few head-to-head leagues. <laughs> and <laughs> He had four steals tonight, which is great. Uh, decent overall line and he had a good line the other night too so i feel like everyone waits to have their best games until they're playing me of I'm course sure you've felt that before too oh yeah that's it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a fantasy season if you didn't you know like i'm always going to play the team with james harden when he has a four or five game week i'm never going to get yep. i'm never going to get the to play Shoot. the harden team when he's got this week going on that was <laughs> somebody is catching a sweet break there and it's not me see i mean that's but that's like that's half of the joy, right? You finish the week and you're just like, well, that was a kick in the teeth. Let's go play somebody else. It always evens out, you know? Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I guess my take on him is I, I have a very itchy trigger finger. So the, the minute he went out there and had four or five kind of duds in a row, I probably would have cut him. After this line, maybe you could grab him. But I don't think he's necessarily must-own in 12-teamers, and he may not even be must-own in 14-teamers. But, you know, after two games in a row of decent production, you can pick him up and see where it goes. We know what he's capable of if he gets decent minutes. Yeah, I'm probably waiting a little bit. Um, It sounds like you, in most situations, you probably are too. Am I reading that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, What do we we got on the indie side? This is, you know, a whole lot of nothing, basically, right? Yeah, mainly the starters. I was a little bummed to see Turner go for only six shots when the other starters are going for 15. A little 15, bit of foul 16. trouble for him, by the way. I'll flip that in there. He he picked up two fouls early in this ball game, and it didn't seem like he ever really got into a rhythm, but I'm totally with you. That low usage is a bummer. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, if you grab Turner, really you want the blocks, and he still got you three blocks tonight and two threes, so five cash counters. You can you can nitpick, but you can't complain about that too much. No. Uh, off the bench, let's see. Uh, I holiday. <laughs> I've got. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really reaching I know. here. Yeah, so. it's okay. Uh, you don't have to. I, I'll officially let you off the hook. I have T.J. McConnell in thirty deep, by the way, and he's been actually a pretty good thirty deep kind of guy. But you know, otherwise, this is Indy's one of those teams where it's just the five starters and nothing else. Yes, sir. And yeah. Aaron Holiday. I think if you had him in a standard league, you can probably move on. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one as well. 
let's go to the next one because that that let's one there's nothing in that game. That's a that's a <laughs> that's nothing. Uh, Sacramento, Philadelphia, Kings fell behind by a bunch. They sort of carved this thing down to a reasonable number, but then Philly ended up hanging on anyway. Um, the interesting notes, if we're going to dodge a few things, um, I'll take Sacramento, I guess. Uh, Rashawn Holmes had a rare slow game, but that'll happen when you deal with Joel Embiid. Nemanja Bielitsa likewise had issues with Al Horford in the front court. Buddy Heald couldn't shoot. Kings just generally couldn't get the offense going. Bogdan Bogdanovich had 17 with four steals. Harrison Barnes, 14, 9, and 6. And Dwayne Dedman actually played pretty well. Also had a bunch of fouls, but sort of doesn't matter when you're coming off the bench. Corey Joseph was a guy that I had pointed out as a sort of punt points streamer, and he fulfilled that with three boards, five assists, two steals, and a block, but he scored two points and took five shots in 28 minutes. Um, Kingside was... Pretty uninteresting overall, I thought. Um, Corey Joseph is the only guy that I've been sort of semi-watching if you're in a, a league or a, a format where you don't need scoring. Uh, but he, to me, is more like a 14 or 16-team league guy as well. What, what do you have on the Kings? And then you can roll right us, take us right into Philadelphia after that. The only thing I got is Nemanja Bielitsa. We've seen him slowing down a little bit. And maybe, well, tonight he did have five fouls but maybe it's because he knows that Bagley's close to a return. I don't know if I would preemptively drop him because he's given you a pretty well-rounded value on the season, but just know that Bagley's return is near. On the 76ers side, Joel Embiid bounced back from his game with a bunch of goose eggs and put up 33-16 and 16 with an assist, two blocks, 12-14 from the free throw line, 10-19 of 19 from the field with a three, so great bounce-back game from Embiid. The other starters were pretty good. Josh Richardson was a person to note here. He left the game early. Um, can't remember exactly what the injury was. Yeah, they call it a ham hamstring tightness, so I, I don't know if that's going to turn into anything, but it did, uh, it did open the door for Matisse Thibault, though. Yes, sir, and I know... You're a strong believer that Tybal can average four defensive stats a game this year. <laughs> he's he's proven you right tonight. <laughs> yeah, I we yeah, you know, I sarcasm is thick there. Um yeah, I, he, you know, as I've said many times, an injury to Josh Richardson is the only thing that could free him up to to do enough. And obviously he shot five for five and two for two at the free throw line, so that type of thing wouldn't hold. Um right. but if they give him twenty something minutes, then he's definitely worth throwing into a lineup i guess the question is do you preemptively pick him up and hope that josh richardson misses time i'm them calling this just tightness makes me think that this is maybe one or two games max for jay rich so i'm probably not dabbling unless i have somebody totally useless on my team um what kind of i guess my question for you kurt is is at what point do you make this move here? Like, do you, do you wait on the timeline? Do you make the move preemptively? Because if Thibel does get two or three starts, that could be interesting. Problem is, we've also seen them go to Furkan Korkmaz uh, when Richardson missed time already this year. So it's not a guaranteed thing regardless. Right, and that, that's a really good point, Dan. And today, Thibel and Korkmaz both had an even 21 minutes, so it's hard to say. Um, if you have somebody who you're just itching to cut at the end of your bench, maybe a preemptive ad. But like you said, with the just tightness, 
who knows, maybe he's back in the next game. So I would take a wait-and-see approach here for standard leagues and probably 14-teamers as well. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Wait-and-see, is that works for me. Uh, give me what you got on the Detroit Pistons. Yes, sir. So we had Blake Griffin go for 26-6 and six with four threes. Andre Drummond, 14-21 and 21 with seven assists. The seven assists is nice to see. Usually he doesn't get those kind of assist numbers when Griffin's playing. Um, Langston Galloway is starting these days. Uh, not much beyond a three-point streamer there. Luke Kennard, I hope you sold high because he's probably going to be coming down. Uh, tonight, 16 points, three rebounds, one assist, two threes. Not a whole lot else. I will admit, I thought he was basically going to be a three-point specialist, but he's been chipping in some stats across the board this season. But I wouldn't expect his early season production to continue now with Blake Griffin back absorbing so much usage. Yeah, Bruce Brown, not a whole lot to see there. Derrick Rose had a bounce back game. He went for 13 and 8, and he had a 3. Other than that, we're, we're seeing this kind of a trend. There's not a whole lot else off the Detroit Pistons bench that you're really too interested. Christian Wood, you know, 10 minutes. He's a per-minute production kind of monster guy, but... Him and same with Chris Boucher. The minutes just aren't there, so I'm not really interested at this point. What's your take, Dan? Yeah, I, you know, the Pistons are a little ugly. That's my take on the Pistons. Uh, I, 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 Derek Rose is a good fit uh, off the bench. He's always going to get a whole bunch of looks, and you know he'll have games where he makes 60% of his shots because they're mostly stuff going to the rim. Uh, he'll have some where he only makes 40%. But he's going to have a decent field goal percent this year, which I think is okay. Uh, you said Luke Kennard, sell high guy, totally on board with you on that one. And then Griffin and Drummond, and, and I'm not venturing beyond that, even with Galloway playing 29 minutes. It's just not, there's not enough there. Uh, it was nice to see the uh, Hornets get a couple of slightly more efficient ball games. Devontae Graham, in particular, 16 points, 15 assists, at seven rebounds, and he did it without missing a ton of shots, and without turning it over too many times. So that was a really nice sign. Uh, Miles Bridges have been playing better lately. The Bismack Biombo experience is live with Cody Zeller out. I'm not bothering to stream because as soon as you do, he's going to basically soil himself. Um, Nick Batum actually took seven shots in this game. He really didn't want to, but they just left him, and so he did it. And P.J. Washington, despite having a good ball game, only played 21 minutes. I know that this is going to be a weird take after a good game, but P.J. Washington is a drop for me. He's, he's not seeing the minutes anymore. Uh, he's losing playing time to my old buddy, Old Man Marv. And, uh, and Terry Rozier is a, is a glorified shooting guard that they're paying a ton of money to. I'm not sure that the Hornets have a single player inside the top 100 at the end of the year. Devontae Graham has a shot at it. Rozier has a shot at it. And Miles Bridges has a shot at it. And right now, Rozier is number 98, and that's the only, it's the only player on the Hornets inside the top 100. They could end up being one of the worst fantasy teams on the market. It's really surprising, too, because I looked up his stats today, and Devontae Graham, um, you know when you miss out on something, you just you just want it that much more? I only grabbed him in one league out of, seven or eight, however many I'm in. And I just feel like he's lighting the world on fire. But then I look him up and he's number 105 prior to tonight on a per game average, which surprised me. I thought he'd be way higher and 73 on totals. But 
it looked like a lot of that is the 40% from the field, mm-hmm. high turnovers, and not a whole lot in the defensive side. So I don't think he's as good fantasy-wise as people think. So you might be able to turn a profit there. And, and the only thing, Dan, that I'll be slightly contrarian on, just, just for a little bit longer, is P.J. Washington. Because I know his minutes have been down in the last four or five games, and he's been scoring in digi- single digits for five or six games prior to tonight. But he'd gotten a lot of fouls. Uh, I think it was today he had four, then it went three, two, three, five, five. And it seemed like as soon as he got two, they yanked him for quite a while. So just with as bad as the Hornets team is, I would be, I'm slightly interested in holding on a little bit longer, but like you said, he's, he's very, very near the cut line for me. Yeah. It's, he's pushing it. He's pushing it. Uh, the whole team is pushing it, frankly. (laughs) Um, Toronto blew out the Knicks. So, you know, fun times if you had a Nick, uh, the good news, I guess on the New York side is Mitchell Robinson played 31 minutes. That is an enormous deal. And Julius Randle didn't completely kill you with his percentages for one game otherwise they were horrendous um and i i struggle to find any other positives uh for the for the new york knicks i mean that's just they're they're a terrible team and a terrible franchise these days but i i okay leaping right through the box score um actually cap give us the toronto side and then we'll i have a couple of points of discussion on this game all right sir so Pascal Siakam did his thing. He was good. Fred Van Vliet, kind of a down night, but he was all right. Norm Powell, he starts and sometimes gets minutes. Only 21 tonight. Not really a standard league dude. Mark Gasol, uh, he had three blocks and two steals and a three. So six cash counters is nice, but only three points, three rebounds, three assists. Mm, I go back and forth on him. I think he's a cut in standard leagues. If there's a hot free agent out there, but I understand if you want to hold on. Um, OG Ananobi had a nice game with 13 and 12, two steals, three threes. Chris Boucher actually got 25 minutes off the bench today. Yeah. So, like we just blowout <laughs> so like time, just mentioned garbage time. Gotta love a little garbage okay. time. Yep, yep. So don't don't read a whole lot into that. And Abaka's due back. I, I'm pretty sure any day now. Um, Terrence Davis, he's had a few good games, and I didn't even know who this guy was prior to the season starting, but he had 15 points, four boards, five assists, three threes. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty hard for him to hold standard league value, but 14, 16 teamers, you can maybe look at him. Rondé Hollis Jefferson had 12 and four with an assist. Um, He's borderline standard league dude. Other than that, Dan, kind of the same old story here in Toronto. Yeah, I'm not into the Toronto backups. Like you said, Serge due back pretty soon. Kyle Lowry is not supposed to be out all that much longer. Um, I'm I'm probably just sticking with the sort of usual fare on that side. Uh, I'm a I'm a proponent here of buying low on Mitchell Robinson. The fact that he played 30 minutes in this game, and I know there was a lot of garbage time, is just sort of like one quick reason. Hey, if this dude can figure out a way to stay on the floor, they'll give him a few extra minutes. The time is close, man. I, I don't know that there's a ton of time left to go get him if you want him, and you might not have to pay as much right now. Are, are you a Mitchell Robinson buy low guy, or are you just the Knicks are so... Because I understand the the philosophy that the Knicks are just so terrible that they're not worth exploring. Uh, but he's like, what is he? He's ranked in the 70s or 80s right now, 
I'd, I'd definitely go pay that type of price or even a little bit more for him because I, I think good things are coming for Mitch Robb at some point this year. Dan, I, like you, am all aboard the, the Mitch Robb train. Yeah, that's what Man, I'm talking ever about. Ever since, I think it was about a year ago, he had that game where he did, he did almost nothing but block nine shots. <laughs> I picked him up everywhere. I love this guy, I'm, but I'm a sucker for the defensive stats. I, I love those steals and blocks. So... I did not want to pay the draft day price for him. You know, you saw some places he was going early second round, some places third round, and I love him, but you're missing out on so many other stats if you took him there. So mm-hmm. I'd love to have him, but I would much rather have at that range maybe somebody like a Miles Turner. So I didn't end up with him anywhere, and I hate it, but I knew with the foul trouble and New York's just being a disaster that there was a good chance that he'd put up a couple of bum games and I could buy low on him. I wasn't expecting it to go on for a month, but yeah, I'm trying to buy on him everywhere I can. The 31 minutes is amazing. I wish he'd do a little bit more with it, but again, it's 31 minutes. I'm pretty sure that's a season high. It may even be a career high. I'm not fact check me on that one, but (laughs) yeah, great guy. And you probably won't pull this off in most leagues, but I had a league where I sold Aaron Baines when he was at the heat of his production and got Mitchell Robinson. Wow. Oh, well done. Well done. Absolute steal. I thought, and, and you probably won't see that happen in a lot of leagues, but it just kind of shows you where people are at with him. Unfortunately, I haven't seen it in any of my leagues, but I've heard, you know, on the forums and on Twitter that some people are saying, should I pick him up? Should you pick him up? He could lead the league in blocks. Yes, you should pick him up. (laughs) Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. That's my uh, soapbox on Mitch Rob. Yeah, I, I like love it. The guy. I'm I'm with you on that box. Let's we're on that soapbox together. Uh, Miami Houston. This game was actually a pretty good separation. The Heat made it a better ball game late. Um, Houston side. My guys are back, man. Daniel House and PJ Tucker together again, and at, and at last I can be happy. Uh, Tucker seven and seven with a three and four steals on three out of six shooting. His typical nine cat. Fan, fantastic dominance. Daniel House actually had a big scoring game. He put up 23 in this one. Four boards, two assists, four threes, two steals. Oh, I love these guys, man. I really do. Uh, no Clint Capella in this ballgame. He'll be back most likely pretty darn soon. And uh, cap over on the Miami side, no Jimmy Butler, so usage to go around in this one. How did that turn out? It turned out all right. I would expect Kendrick Nunn would have had more shots. Without Jimmy, he was getting about 17, 18 shots early in the season. Only 11 tonight for nine points, four assists, one steal, three threes. I think real life, he's a very, very good player. But fantasy-wise, at least right now, I think he's a little overhyped. I'd like to have him, but I think he's a little overhyped. Dragic got the start. He had 13, 2 and 1 with a steal and two threes. Bam. He Bam. played 40 minutes. 17 and 11 with eight assists, one steal, one block. He did have four turnovers, but he did shoot 70% from the line on a nice 7 of 10. So that's actually a nice improvement from where he's been on the season so far. Duncan Robinson, he's really just a three-point guy, and mm-hmm. if you can guess the night he's going to go off, power to you, you should probably play the lottery. Um, Myers Leonard started, played 15 minutes, had four fouls, didn't do a whole lot there. No, Tyler Hero off the bench, 
an oddly well-rounded line from Tyler Hero, in my opinion. He's normally just your threes kind of guy, but he had 22 points, eight boards, three assists, two steals, and three threes on decent shooting. He did chip in five turnovers, but decent line from Hero. He played 36 minutes. You're not going to see this every night when Jimmy's out there. Let's see. We also have Justice Winslow returning tonight for 10-7 and seven with three assists, one steal. I'm not a big fan of his fantasy game. No. He just hurts you in too many areas, the turnovers, the percentages. And even today without Jimmy, he wasn't fantastic. He's not going to be that guy uh, first game of the year that went for whatever it was, 27-7-7. Seven, and seven. No, he, he's a guy that'll tease you. Every once in a while, I'll have a game where I'll shoot the ball well. But in general, his percentages are atrocious. I, I'm very much on the outs with with Winslow and he's a guy that people are just like oh yeah you got to pick him up he's number 247 on the year right now 247 because he's creaming you in field goal percent free throw percent and turnovers he's, he's just not it's just not the thing um Kelly Olynyk's been really good lately can we pause on him for a minute? I was going to save him for you. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a guy that I've wanted to see succeed for a long time, uh, fantasy-wise. He, he's always been a guy that's just right on the cusp of being fantasy-relevant, and then every time it seems like it's go time, James Johnson's fat butt waltzes back onto the court and ruins it for Kelly. Uh, but James Johnson's nowhere to be found this time around. Olenek's played a solid 24 minutes to 32 minutes in most of his games lately. He's been a top 75 guy over the last two and a half weeks. I actually think he might even be better than that. Uh, to me, he's a must-own, must-start guy until this run cools off, or maybe it lasts long-term. Maybe you know the, the shooting percentage lately at 56% is probably not going to hold, but uh, the other stuff feels somewhat sustainable if the minutes stay there. Um, so I, I'd, I'd throw him on pretty much any team where you can get him at this point. Yeah, that, that's great, Dan. And, and it's funny because he wasn't really on my radar a whole lot just because, like you said, I like his diversified game, but he's so up and down in the past that you want to like him, but then he doesn't get the minutes or he does something to hurt himself. But the other day you were saying, you know, he went for that 15 and 16 game and you're like, you got to pick this guy up. And I was like, I don't know, Dan. And and I looked at his game log and I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, he's he's doing all right. And like you said, the last 14 days, he's actually, so prior to tonight's game being factored in, he's number 62 on nine cap per game average. So absolutely a standard league guy right now. Clippers, Grizz. Clippers, again, steal one. They've played a lot of games where they've sort of half, half-assed half it until late, and they've they've gotten away with it. Um I don't I don't know what the Grizzlies were doing in this ball game. The rotations late were super weird. Uh, but good ball games. JV, actually his last one, uh Valanchunas' last ball game I, I was watching and I thought, boy, he actually kind of looks like he cares a little bit more. And then he came back out and he followed it up with his best game of the year. 30 and 16, three assists, a steal a block, two three pointers. John Morant looked good in this one. Efficiency was better. Jay Crowder had 20. I don't know why they let him shoot as often as they do, but he's actually been a standard league guy. Uh, and then Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. were the guys that took a little bit of a step back in this one. JJJ at least stayed on the floor. Uh, but again, only one block. He's he's forgotten how to block shots. 
Uh, Dylan Brooks is very much a cut in standard leagues, but I'm good with owning each of those top five guys. I mentioned JV, Ja, Crowder, Clark, and JJJ on the, uh, the Grizzlies side. The Clippers are sort of a non-story, right? Like, there's nothing to look at on that fantasy team. It's just the same three or four guys every night. Yes, sir. All right, what do you got on the Grizz? On the Grizzlies, all I have is uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I agree with you. I think he was a little overhyped coming into the season based on, well, I don't really know because he hadn't really proved himself a whole lot yet. But the things that you drafted him for is you're wanting the blocks and you're probably wanting strong field goal percentage. But to see him take nine threes, yeah, the threes are nice, but it's kind of it's kind of like a twilight zone to me, really. Like you wanted the field goal percentage and blocks, and he's getting you threes and no blocks. But uh, I think he's kind of a buy low. I don't think he's going to be that third round type of value, but I think he's a buy low guy. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's a difficult guy to buy low on because I feel like the name is going to make him a hard dude to pry away from whoever owns him right now. Don't you think you'll have to you'll have to almost spend more than you'd want to spend to get him? Yeah, and those guys that coming into the season have all that hype and all that buzz, those owners, that's still in their mind a month into the season. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Is this the start of something for Jonas Valanciunas, or is this just the every once in a while he wakes up and he goes crazy? I, I to me, Honestly, I thought he looked better in their last ball game. He looks a little more spry the last two. But it's hard for me to say whether I think, you know, this type of increased usage is going to continue for him. It was just really cool to see him get going and eat, eat. He finally ate a little bit. Absolutely, I don't, I don't think he's going to be getting this many shots. But I was, I was high on him. I thought he was a guy that was going under the radar. And if you missed out on some of those big centers early in drafts, I thought he was a very nice value play down in uh, whatever round he was going five, six, seven in some drafts. So I grabbed him everywhere, and he's been a little lackluster so far. I hope he can get it going. I'm thinking the rebounds get over 10, right? Don't we think the rebounds get up over 10 before the season's over? Yeah, I think that's absolutely doable. And he only needs, like, what, 26, 28 minutes to do that? Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. Maybe not, not even at most times. You know, 24, 25 a lot of times to get him there. He's just looked a step slow to me, and I have to wonder if that foot thing was lingering more than anybody was letting on, perhaps, you know, a couple. And that, that definitely could be it because he hasn't, he didn't seem to be himself to start the season. And I I don't think, I think a lot of us had higher expectations than, than how he has performed so far in the first month. Well, luckily this game will rocket him into the stratosphere pretty quickly. Uh, Atlanta, Milwaukee, this, is this the least interesting fantasy game of the night? Does this get the award? Or does or Utah Utah Indiana might win that award. It's one of these yeah. two. It's it's pretty close. I I think I think you and I are in about the same camp as the Hawks. It's pretty much Trey Young and Jabari Parker. Yep. I would love for Damian Jones or Bruno Fernando to get good minutes. I think they could be some of the best fantasy guys on this team if they could get anywhere close to high twenties, early thirties in minutes, but. It's not happening for them. Uh, Jabari Parker had a monster game, 33, 14, 5, 2, and 1, three threes, played 37 minutes. And I would say this run's probably coming toward an end. But with Atlanta just having nobody besides him and Trey, I think he'll, he'll definitely take a ding when Collins comes back, but I think he'll still be a standard league guy. I didn't pick him up anywhere when we heard that suspension on Collins because I was thinking, you know, 
points and boards, and what else? That's about it. So I didn't pick him up anywhere, but he's somehow averaging, I think, one and a half steals on yeah, the season. Yeah, where'd is, that come from? I have no idea. That I, Did you think that was a surprise? A massive surprise. He's averaging two defensive stats a game. He's never been more. He's never been over 1.5 in his career. Yeah, definitely surprising. Very surprising. And, and yeah, I mean, he will take a giant hit, but, you know, he's a sell high because even if he does keep standard league value, it's going to be a lot less. Um, but, uh, you know, in the same token, like you said, he might actually be a guy you could hang on to the rest of the year and just, you know, take whatever lowered production he's got. After this ball game, though, this is a time where you got to throw him out there and see if you can get some top 75 guy for the season. This is a great opportunity for that. Dan, what about this one? We, we talked about who you might throw. Would you throw Jabari Parker for Mitchell Robinson? Oh, yeah. Give me Mitch Rob all day. And and I think you could pull that off in a good amount of leagues. You could. Just throw it out there. Don't even don't even say anything. Don't send a message with the trade offer either. Just like you don't need to convince anybody of anything. Maybe they'll see that 33, 14, and 5 with six cash counters and say, you know what? Screw it. Mitch Rob, you're eight and eight with a block. Just not cutting it. See you later. Meanwhile, would, uh, the guy who I've been accused of hating had another horrible free throw shooting game, and that's Giannis, of course. But I don't know that we even really need to pause on him at all. He just he's forgotten how to shoot free throws this year. Not yeah, that he was ever good to begin with. He's murdering you there, and this might be too early to say something like this. But next year, Dan, based on what we know now, who would you rather have, Giannis or Luca? I think it's got to be Luca. I think so too. Like. He doesn't hurt you as much in the percent, or he doesn't hurt you really at all in the percentages like he did last year. And they're both going to get monster turnovers, but five of 13 from the free throw line from Giannis, it, you can't win a category with that going on. No, he's become a, he's become the single most powerful punt guy in the NBA. If you remove free throw percent, he's the best player in the league in fantasy. He's, he's the perfect, he's the perfect candidate. Um, but, you know, if you have him in a Roto League, you're going to probably lose free throw percent. He's going to win you some stuff, but he's going to get you a one in that category. That's just, to me, in Roto, that's just unacceptable. And I'd be I'd be trying to get out from under it. I, I mean, I know that there's probably some kind of little regression in the positive direction coming, but, you know, I, I actually got off of him in the one spot that I had him, and I don't I don't feel bad about it. I, I hate having a guy that that forces you into a punt format if you didn't build your team ready for it. Absolutely. Who'd, who'd you reel in for him? Uh, I traded, I think I ended up with Dame and someone else. So I sort of traded down in the first round effectively. And I, I, I feel happy with the way that turned out. I'm satisfied. Yeah. Never Dame looked back. Dame doesn't hurt you anywhere. Nope. Did it. Not looking back. I know that there's going to be these 50-point games for Giannis, but whatever. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Wolves beat the Spurs again. Second time they beat him in the last three weeks, I think. Uh, Andrew Wiggins at 26, his weird surge, although he missed a bunch of free throws also. Cat, strong game. Um, everybody's watching Jarrett Culver. He had 10 points, five assists, two three-pointers, a steal and a block, but again, not making shots. I, I mean, I'm sitting on the fence with this one, Cap, because the percentages are brutal, but there is some upside there if, if he were to get that sorted out. So to me, he almost strikes me as the kind of guy you pick up and you throw on your bench until he figures it out. Um, 
the question is how long is that going to take? That could be that could be February. So I don't know if we have the patience for that kind of thing because right now his percentages are are so bad that they're absolutely killing you. But you know, heaven forbid he learns how to hit a free throw or gets his field goal percent even up over 40, he has a pretty versatile fantasy game. Yeah, I, I grabbed him in one spot. Actually, I think it was our hoop ball staff league. Um, just because they said he was going to start moving forward, I thought maybe it'd turn into something. But like you said, it hasn't been anything super exciting yet. Yeah, he's a rookie, so maybe he turns it around. But I, I was actually thinking Teague would do better off the bench playing against team second units mm-hmm. and... Kind of quiet tonight with seven and six, but how does how does this move? So Culver, I I would say as of now he's probably more of a fourteen sixteen teamer uh, or a twelve team flyer if you got somebody cut. But how does this move impact Teague's value for you? Do you think he moves closer to the cut line? Mm. Is he in he's similar in. vein as say like an it or no Holtz. no i still got teague as a hold a pretty strong one too he played 32 minutes in this game the usage was oddly low um i i like i like teague for sort of whatever you drafted him for which is he was never going to score much you're looking for like 11 points seven assists something like that and, and he really wasn't that far off of that uh if he makes one more of his shots or two hell he could go four for eight from the field then he's at 11, 3, and 6 with a 3, a steal, and a block. And that's perfectly reasonable, you know, top 90 point guard stuff. Basically right where he was getting drafted. So I, No, he's he's very much still a guy I'm hanging on to. What about you? Yeah, I think so too. And especially with assists, the rarity of them to this year and how much they dropped off. Like you knew around, somewhere around the 90s, 100s, Teague was going to be sitting there. And assists are were hard to find this year. So definitely... Um, what is what is your take? I want, I'm guessing on uh, Wiggins. His do you buy his transformation? Do you think this is real? Yeah, or do you think this I can't is believe it. Off? I can't believe it. It is real. I mean, the free throw number is starting to come back down to where he's been throughout his career, uh, like right around seventy. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is real. They they put those damn stickers on the floor, and it's totally changed his game. He's not taking long twos anymore. His field goal percent being higher, I you know I don't know if that hangs out at forty seven. That may that may take a step back, but you know he's taking like seven three pointers a game, and then he's taken like ten shots closer to the rim. Now he he's eliminated the incredibly low percentage, low value shots from his game, and it's it's changed everything. You know they they've got him out from under his his terrible tendencies. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how Ryan Saunders pulled it off, but they 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 sort of broke him, you know? And looking at some of his numbers from years past, he's shooting the same percentage from downtown, you know? He's always been a 33 34% three-point shooter. So it's not like Brandon Ingram where he went from like 25% to 50% overnight. These are sustainable percentages given the shot selection changes that he's made. He's changed his shot selection in a way that that actually translates to fantasy value. And so, you know, the only thing that I look at as a, an area that maybe could taper off a little bit would be the overall field goal percent. But again, with the fact that he's getting either closer or farther, the the, the true shooting, the effective value of his shots is is better in a way that keeps him on the floor and makes him more valuable. And, and he's just going to... He's going to hang on. I mean, he's number 47 right now. I'd say he probably finishes in the 60s, but that's about 60 slots higher than any of us thought he was going to finish. I just, 
I got to give the golf clap to Andrew Wiggins. I think he's done it. I do too, sir. And I think you and I are in a similar mind on this one that we probably don't own him in any place. But if you did, what would you be doing? Would you be riding it out or would you be trying to sell high? Ride it, baby. I got him in one points league and I'm riding it. Yes, sir. There you go. Uh, Spurs side. We're always trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. Derek White, Derek White, DeJounte Murray split the point guard minutes right down the middle again. Uh, Jakob Pertl, late round plotting center friend of mine, had five blocks in this game. Uh, he's, you know, he's a guy you could sort of stick in there if you need some blocks, some field goal percent, some rebounds. He's, he has no upside, really, but, uh, you know, there, there are leagues where I could use a guy like that. But effectively, this team is DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge right now. There's, there's no other fantasy team on this or no other fantasy value on the Spurs until they fix their guard situation. And I don't know what has to pop for that to happen, but they're horrible this year. Uh, the, the whole thing is coming apart for this team. Yeah, it's, it's a little brutal over here. And, and even DeRozan and Aldridge, I heard Coach say one day that he doesn't want anything to do with the Spurs because... If they play their way out of the playoffs, which seems crazy to even think about, I mean, he's the originator of load management, so it could hurt you there. And I was in the same mind as you on Murray and White coming into the year. I wanted nothing to do with either one, and there seemed to be really strong camps for both sides. And I just kind of met in the middle, and I was like, well, you guys can fight over it. I'll take somebody who's going to get me 30 minutes a game in that Mm -hmm. uh, range of the draft. But the one guy who kind of just plods along here is Rudy Gay. He's not exciting, but 10 and 11 with four assists. So he seems to be surviving here. Um, And one other guy that I've kind of picked up in a few places for streaming is Bryn Forbes in the threes department. But he was a little quiet tonight with only one. Yeah, but he he is a streamer. You're right. I mean, he's the streaming type. I actually... I, only, I kind of put Rudy Gay in my streaming category as well. Uh, I like his percentages, but in as a guy who loves percentages, you think that I would gravitate towards Rudy Gay, but really those are sort of the only good things he has going most ball games. There's just, yeah. he needs to do a little bit more night to night. Like if you could figure out the games where he's actually going to go out there and do some stuff, then you win. Because, you know, every once in a while I'll have an 18, 5, and 3, or like this one, he had 10 and 11 with four assists. But in between there, you know, five and one, you know, seven and four. Uh, and that sort of comes with the territory when you're not a high usage guy and you're not playing a ton of minutes most games. So he's, to me, he's actually on the out. He's on the outside. I think he's ranked like 130 right now. So he's, to me, he's more of a 14 teamer where, yeah. or like a 12 teamer with a six person bench with unlimited, right? Like a head to head league like that. Um, but you, you really do. Your league needs to go pretty close to 200, I think, rostered players for Rudy Gay to be a guy that you're strongly considering using one of those roster spots on. Um, I think this is going to be the last one you and I do together, if I'm not mistaken. That's Washington and Phoenix, and that was a fantasy gold mine, 140 to 132. That's a fun one, man. The Wizards can score. Damn. Yeah, they certainly can. Their their main guys here, you know, Bradley Beal, who went for 35 and 6 with four threes, and Tom Bryant had 23-9 and five assists and two threes. Yeah, they've had some monster games against a few teams this year. Phoenix and or obviously Phoenix tonight, Houston, 
it seems like every time I turn around, they're putting up monster numbers here. This um, is, I love it, man. I love it. This is the right way to be a losing team. Go have fun. Don't be a de- <laughs> don't don't be the Knicks. Be the Wizards. Go have fun when you're losing. And then they won this one. You know they're gonna sort of stumble nose first into a victory every once in a while if you're out there and you're enjoying yourself. Kudos, Washington. You've made a bad season fun. Yes, sir. Um, um, I th- I'm putting. By the way, I'm jumping in to just say I'm putting it on my bench. I'm not dropping him. Uh, because his usage actually was a little bit better in this one. He had some foul issues, and Ish Smith played really well. But on a team that scores like this, I can't, I can't bring myself to make the full drop. So I'm just, I'm kind of, it's almost like a healthy stash for me at this point. I've, I've got IT in about half my leagues, and I was so stoked to either pick him with my last round pick or pick him up off the wire. And obviously, I was not expecting Boston Celtics IT by any means, but I thought he had a good amount of upside. And he was talking in the uh, in the summer that he wanted to prove himself, prove that he still belonged. So I had high hopes for him, but I feel like my love for him all of a sudden in the last week went from like, yeah, I'm so happy to have this guy to wait a minute. Is he approaching the cut line? <laughs> yeah, he's not far. You know, the playing off the. Playing with the starters has been uh, a, a little bit of a pisser for him. He hasn't had the opportunity that he was getting when he was running the second unit. And I think because they want to keep him healthy and they like him on the floor for more minutes, he's probably not going back to the bench, even though that's what we would all kind of want. So we're probably stuck here, and we're probably just looking at it and hoping that he finds a little bit more of a niche with this starting unit, a a few more shots. You know, if he could go from 12 shots in 25 minutes to 13, or if he could get to the free throw line twice a game at this point, that would make a massive difference for him. Uh, But just points and assists with a three ball every once in a while, we're, we're sort of, we're like one fantasy category short of being good enough to start again. And, and I feel like the one that it needs to be is free throws. That's what we need and, you know, maybe there's still a little bounce that, that he needs to get uh, back in his step. Uh, how about per 36 monster Mo Wagner? 11-4, two steals and a three ball in only 18 minutes. Is he, is he officially a guy you have to start in standard leagues? I mean, I feel like the answer is yes. I think so, too. And, and the minutes are always limited. He seems to be in that same boat as the Christian Woods and the Bobby Boucher's. But <laughs> I, I keep thinking in the 15, 20 minutes, well, he's bound to have a dud. He's bound to have multiple duds. And he just keeps finding a way to produce. Mm-hmm. So imagine if this guy, like you said, got anywhere close to 30, 30 minutes, anywhere in there. Um, I don't know. Is it inconceivable to see him jump into the lineup over somebody like Troy Brown, I know not really the same position, but then they have Rui Hachimura starting, and obviously he's he's an all-star candidate right there. So I <laughs> I don't know, Dan. How do you think there's what do you think it takes to see Bogner get some more minutes here? I honestly don't know because um, they love Thomas Bryant. Hachimura's their their rookie, so they have to play him. Davis Bertans was a guy they acquired, so they're going to play him, and they and they love his floor spacing ability. Sadly, there aren't a ton of minutes to go around. You know, it's not like there's a big man where he, they can just pull the minutes for him. He he's pretty much exclusively playing center uh, at this point. I, I don't. I know he's 
Yahoo actually had him listed as a power forward until two days ago in kind of an odd twist in all of this. And yeah. I just I don't think he's playing power forward. I don't I don't see how that I'd love it. I'd love it if those minutes somehow emerged for him. But unless they come from Thomas Bryan, I don't see how he gets up to 22 or 23 minutes a game. So we're sort of we're sort of stuck in this incredibly impressive per 36 situation where he has to go nuts in 18 minutes every game. It's such a small margin for error, though, you know? That's what's so hard about these low-minute guys. Yeah. Man, I don't know. I mean, I think you got to start him as long as he's hot, though. I think so, too. Do you have any interest in Jordy McRae? He was one of the top pickups here, I feel like, in the last couple days, at least. Nope. (laughs) I don't. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. His fantasy game is limited. His, uh, His attempts are limited. His number of minutes is limited. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's relevant right now because he's shooting like 53% over the last week. But he, his opportunity just isn't, it's just not enough, you know? Um, yeah. The, the, the three balls are nice. You know, he'll fall into a steal every once in a while. I just, I don't see how his minutes go up considerably unless there's an injury to, I don't know, Troy Brown. You know, he only played 14 minutes as a starter anyway. Someone would have to get hurt to clear out this log jam, and I don't even know if it goes to Jordan McRae at that point anyway. I agree. I'd, one thing I like to do to just see if I'm staying in with the trends is go to the Yahoo Research Transaction Trends page and sort by number of ads, and he'd been toward the top for a lot of days, and I didn't understand why, and I was like, am I missing something here? So... <laughs> Glad to hear we're of similar mind on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Phoenix side. This was a weird one because Kelly Oubre got into early foul trouble and then just they just sort of sat him the rest of the game. Um, Ricky Rubio came back from his back injury and looked pretty good, actually. Uh, but Czech Diallo had a double-double in this ball ballgame. Uh, Dario Saric had a double-double in this ball game. It feels to me, like maybe I'm getting a little bit crazy here, but it feels to me like the Suns desperately need Aaron Baines back. That's like a one-to-one correlation. He and Rubio went down, and then they just started losing every ball game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And the fact that Dario Saric is out there getting 17-12, and 12, and his last game was monstrous, and I, I completely wrote that off. But, man, I got, maybe it depends on how long Aaron Baines is out. I do not like Saric's game at all, but... If he's going to keep missing time, maybe, maybe if you have somebody cut, take a flyer on him. But he's not going to be getting 37 minutes every night and going for these monster double-doubles. So ugh, I'm, I'm not excited about that at all. You'll probably see him get picked up in a lot of leagues after these two games. It was nice to see Rubio back with 18-4, and four, and that seemed to help Booker go for 27 with eight assists, three turnovers, but... 50% from the floor and 100% from the line, so that was nice. As Yeah, Ricky Rubio's turned Devin Booker into a very efficient basketball player. So if you have Booker, you should be thrilled that, that Rubio's back. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the big men, they're down their number one and number two centers right now. No DeAndre Ayton, no Aaron Bain. So, of course, you know, Dario's going to have to slide over and play more big man minutes. If you told me he was going to play 25 center minutes every game, I'd be stoked about Saric. I don't like him as much at the power forward spot. Pushes him away from the bucket. You don't get any defensive stats. You don't get any rebounds out there. Um, But yeah, I mean, as long as the other big men are basically 
cooked right now, he he feels like a pretty reasonable streaming option. Just be ready to move on when Baines and or Aiton come back. Feels like, and what about Cameron Johnson? Are you buying into any of that? I'm not. I'm not either. Somebody uh, last week asked me if they should go with Cam Johnson or Tyler Johnson for a five-game streamer, and I felt like I was splitting hairs, but I leaned towards Cam Johnson. But, yeah, no, for, for long-term value or for anything more than streaming, I'm, I'm not interested there. <laughs> and this, by the way, is where we part ways because the other games are still going as we finish recording this segment. So here's what's going to happen. Fantasy NBA Today is going to get finished up tomorrow morning. Obviously, we'll finish the box scores and then preview. Uh, well, there's no games on Thanksgiving Day, but we'll sort of take a little bit of a look ahead and, and kind of a uh, weekend review type of deal. Uh, Cap is going to take care of the rest of the box score breakdown. That'll be available for you on Wednesday night. Uh, Kurt, it's been a distinct pleasure. We should do this more often. We definitely should. It's been a great time, Dan. Two shows for the price of one. What could be better? Not much. We're we're offering as much as we can on this Thanksgiving holiday, you know, trying to be generous. All right, you turn left, I'll turn right. All right, sir. <laughs> and that was your crossover portion of the proceedings. The box score breakdown, of course, available every night at the conclusion of basketball games. Kurt is on, I believe, two of them. You've got Adrian Benjamins in the mix. You got uh the great Hank Aaron, you've got Josh Millman, Alan Sorochi, you've got David Bracey, you've got Coach. They are all partaking in the effort to keep the box score breakdown rumbling along. Again, it is Sundays through Thursday nights, Friday night and Saturday night. It does not come out because who the hell listens to a basketball pod on Friday or Saturday night? Good question, right? Uh, so that's the box score breakdown. Big thanks to Kurt for uh, basically setting this, this timing up so that we could... Uh, kind of kill two birds with one stone and also preview and, and give you guys a little bit of a uh, taste of, of what some of this other stuff is. By the way, box score breakdown is completely free. It's not a premium show. That's a freebie. So you can just search for the box score breakdown on iTunes and it'll probably pop up hoop ball presentation as well. Let's do the last couple of games here and then get this bad boy wrapped up because it's Thanksgiving and you guys all want to be doing that anyway. Uh, Lakers were back in New Orleans last uh, last evening. You see, now we've rotated here, and we're no longer recording as the games are ending. Now it's now it's officially Thursday morning. Anthony Davis, forty-one and nine, three steals and a block. He continues his strong year. LeBron James, everything very good except for the free throws, as per usual. Dwight Howard outplayed Javale McGee, so the back and forth continues. I was just about getting ready to, to buy into JaVale as an, you know, 18 minute top 110 end of my bench. I need a big man kind of guy. And then he got flipped on his head here. So maybe best, this was probably a good reminder that I shouldn't be dabbling in that anyway. Cal Kuzma had 16, five and two, but he's not going to be a fantasy guy this year. Uh, there was hope. I think that he would be a big time scorer. So I guess maybe you could consider that in a, a more points-leaguey scenario. But from a, an overall nine-cat, he was never going to be a great choice this year, not as a third fiddle behind these two guys. And, uh, yeah, you're in trouble if, if this is a guy that you're relying on. Alex Caruso played 25 minutes, didn't do much with them, but he was an enormous plus 23 best on the team during that stretch. So that uh, turned out to be a pretty big deal for the Lakers. And... Uh, it came at the expense of Rajon Rondo because guys were just blowing by him. 
This is something we know to be true. The Lakers are going to win when they can actually get a stop or two because, damn it, they'll score plenty. LeBron and AD can handle that side. Uh, And then Anthony Davis, obviously, his defense is fantastic, but they just can't have a sieve out there the way that Rondo has been late in his career. Uh, And particularly last year, he was atrocious. New Orleans is starting to get healthy, aside from Derek Favors, who actually was listed out for that ballgame on personal reasons. So that might be a good sign for his return after the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I don't know for sure, but we'll obviously continue to cross our fingers and, and kind of wait with bated breath because he was dunking before he hurt his back. Uh, do I play him his first game back? I, I probably don't. I'm a little worried he only plays like 18 minutes in that one. But as soon as he clears 20, if he really is healthy, he's going to be doing a ton of rebounding on this team because they just they don't have a ton of size behind him. And the one they do have is Jaleel Okafor, and he's just not a, very good at basketball. Every time Okafor has a big game, somebody feels the need to yell at me on Twitter about it. But, I mean, look, this is who he is. He's just not good enough to earn consistent minutes at the NBA level on a team that has any hopes of competing. And New Orleans is barely that. But anyway, that's sort of beside the point. Uh, we'll, we'll watch for favors. Josh Hart's return uh, came with 25 minutes of action, 9 points, 5 boards, and assist. I, I think he's going to be worth owning going forward. I believe he probably sees a couple more minutes at the expense of Etwan Moore. Uh, but the best news from this one is that J.J. Redick still played 35 minutes. And that was one of those things that we talked about on this podcast. And I don't have time, unfortunately, to listen to everybody else's shows or read everybody else's takes. But I do know that if you click the little red note next to guys uh, on Yahoo, I believe it pulls up the most recent Roto World blurb on a guy. And it was about two weeks ago that there was a blurb on Yahoo that, again, I think was Roto World, but I, I honestly don't know. And it doesn't matter. This isn't about who's right and who's wrong. I, I just, it was saying that he was cooked, effectively, that he was cooked, that, like, he just wasn't going to have fantasy value. And in the moment, it was right. Remember, he was playing, like, 21 minutes a game the first few games of the year. It was, like, a week and a half where he really wasn't doing anything, and it took some injuries to kind of spring him loose. But if you remember... On this podcast, I said, there's just no way he signed with this team to play 18 minutes a game. These guys go into it. It's not just the money that brings them to a place. Because Reddick could have made plenty of money at a lot of places. Lord knows Philly still desperately needs shooting. I'm sure the Lakers would have loved to have his shooting. The Clippers would have... I mean, there's countless teams that would have absolutely adored having his outside shot on their club but he chose the pelicans and everybody's like oh well he believes in the young guys yes that's true that had to be part of it the money is part of it but the third thing and this is also my reasoning for the marcus morris stuff in new york is that guys make decisions when a gm or an owner or whoever comes in and says this is what your role is going to be guys want to play you know Reddick, I'm sure, said, hey, what's my role on this team? And they said, you know, we're going to, you're going to be having your same role. Seasons past, you're going to be a starting level guy. You're going to play starters minutes. You're going to see 28 minutes a game or whatever it is. And in that moment, he was probably like, okay, cool. Very good. So there was just, to me, there was kind of a disconnect. Something didn't add up. When something doesn't add up, that means there's something else going on. So maybe he was playing a little bit hurt. Maybe he was sort of being eased into the season so as not to, you know, break his body coming out of training camp. 
But once everybody got hurt and he started playing a little bit more, he's solidified himself. He's knocking down his jumpers. He's uh, number 106 now after sitting out near like 170, 180. So over the last two to three weeks, he's actually been more of like a top 50 guy. So Redick is back in. And I feel a little bit less concerned about it. I thought that when these guys got healthy, he might be the guy getting pushed out. But I think now that he's knocking down shots, they want him in there. And he's a veteran, you know? He's helpful. Uh, Drew Holiday's by-low window obviously is now completely shut and has been for a couple of ball games. But uh, to me, the, the Reddick stuff is, is definitely the most interesting uh, on that New Orleans side. The fact that he's able to maintain here as the team gets right, that's a really big deal. So ride that one out. Oklahoma City got blown out in Portland. They just couldn't slow down the Blazers, which uh, not a great sign for OKC. Um, Chris Paul sort of survived the bad game that everybody else on his team had, but otherwise this was a clunker. Nerlens Noel only got 16 minutes, which is not great, but they went to blow out stuff late, and, and he didn't even play down the stretch. But uh, to me, he's still a must-start guy. Uh, Melo shot 9 for 11 in this ball game. 19 points, four boards, two assists, and nothing else, which, of course, is it's going to be the thing. You know, even when he has a good ball game, it, it, there's still going to be some big holes in it. Uh, blowout minutes meant Dame didn't get to 30, but he still had 30 minutes, I should say, but he still scored 27, 5, and 5. Whiteside, 21, and 16. The fact that he was eating Steven Adams alive just tells you all you need to know about Adams' health. It's not there yet. I don't. Will it ever be? I don't know. Rodney Hood was okay. You know, he's... Right now, if he's not efficient, then he's doing nothing, so he's a drop for me. Baysmore played in garbage time and had a really Bayzy line, which normally would be awesome, but, of course, he doesn't play enough in general. So uh, nothing really moving the needle in that ballgame. And Chicago, blown out by the Warriors, the the zombie Warriors in this one. Zach Levine had a huge ball game. Thomas Sadoransky had a really nice ball game, and everybody else was terrible again. Larry Markinen, eight points, four boards. I mean, I still I'm still calling him a buy-low guy. But at the same time, I don't know that you need to actually give up anything at all to get him. Kobe White continues to be a guy I don't want anything to do with. His inefficiencies are colossal, and as you can see, when things go bad, they go real bad. I keep... Sato's a guy... Well, you know, you guys listen to the podcast. Sadoransky's a guy that I think still has pretty good upside this year, Um I tried to pick him up in places where he was dropped, but my waiver priority wasn't high enough. Uh, I, I don't know that I would like race out and try to trade for him uh, because Chicago is such a mess, but he has been pretty good, actually, over the last couple of weeks. I think he's a top 80 guy over that stretch. Not going to score much, but boards, assists, steals, some threes, good percentages. He's just sort of like a nice across-the-board point guard who... As things devolve in Chicago, it almost feels like he has to get a bigger role because the other guys are so bad. Hell, even as Zach Levine fluctuates, Sato seems like a guy trending up. I think he's trending up. Maybe you can go get him for very little. Tougher after a 19-7-7 game, but um, he's a guy I like, certainly. Chicago's a tough one, though. Uh, Warriors side, the Zombie Warriors had Draymond Green back for this ballgame. He had 7-5 and five with 8 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, and a 3-pointer. 5 turnovers and missed some free throws, but just good to see him on the court. 
Uh, Glenn Robinson was slowed in this one, so he was the guy on the outside. Kai Bowman moved back to the bench for Point Draymond, so he had a crappy ball game. Uh, Omari Spellman came off the bench and had a really big one. It was Alec Burks and Eric Pascal who rotated back into the driver's seats in this ball game. Burks, I know I've said it before, there are gigantic holes in his ba- in his fantasy game, but he's still the guy that is the safest play for the Warriors right now. He's the guy to me that is the easiest to just drop into your lineup and say, okay, this guy's going to be a top 100 guy, even with his massive shortcomings and field goal percent and the fact that historically he doesn't get many steals or blocks. He has lately, but those could easily disappear. Uh, Pascal, similar stat set, but sort of a tougher time getting there, I would say, because there are no three-pointers for him, or minimal. I know he had two in this ballgame, but in general, not many. Um, so I, I'm Burks over Pascal. The guy that's getting scooped up in a lot of places is Marquise Chris, after coming up with a four-steal, two-block game and going five for five from the field in 20 minutes off the bench. And so I have sort of mixed feelings on Chris. Number one, we're probably a game or two away from seeing Kevon Looney come back and play, you know, 10 minutes his first game back, and then 14, and then 16, and then 20, or whatever it turns out to be. I don't immediately know where those minutes are coming from. Because right now the Warriors are playing three guys where the minutes could end up moving over to uh, Kevon Looney. Draymond Green is the only big man on the team that's obviously not going to lose minutes. He would actually trend up, if anything. He only played 23 and a half yesterday uh, coming off of injury. So his minutes could trend up. Willie Cauley-Stein only played 16 minutes. He lost his playing time to Spellman and Chris. So when Looney comes back, he's probably going to pull from all of these guys. And right now, all of these guys are fringy at best. I know Chris is on this this furious bender lately. He's had a really good last week. He's actually been a top 20 fantasy guy over his last three basketball games because his percentages have been very good. He's rebounding. He's passing. The steals, the blocks are all very high, and, and his turnovers are at like one a game, I believe, over that stretch. Uh, I don't know if he can keep that up in in 16 minutes or whatever he might see after Looney comes back. It's a very tough call because you don't want to be the guy who misses out on somebody sort of finally realizing some of their potential at long last. But at the same time, it's damn hard to have fantasy value in 16 minutes of a basketball game. He's also not going to average two steals and two blocks a game forever. I mean, this is the, that is, the fact that he's a top 20 guy over the last week is truly the magic of a small sample size. If you go back two weeks, he falls out to the top 70, even though he was, by all accounts, actually playing pretty well the week before also. So I say if you have somebody completely worthless on your team, go ahead. Pick him up. See what happens. But if you're cutting somebody where there's any measure of safety to it, I don't think I can recommend it. And with Omari Spellman, I'm definitely not doing it because he and Willie Cauley-Stein are basically splitting the minutes with a few center minutes getting passed off to Chris. uh, And that's a recipe for disaster. It's actually not entirely clear which of those guys is playing center and which is playing power forward. Um, Eric Pascal, I know, is seeing a bunch of power forward minutes as well. Glenn Robinson every once in a while slides up that way. So there's going to be a minute crunch. 
And I would venture to say that Looney is the best of the bunch. So that's why I've actually been kind of high on him. I, high is a probably not a fair term for what I am for Kevon Looney. I don't think he's going to dominate. I just think he's better than these other guys. And so in my mind, the guy that's better is probably going to be the guy that gets sort of the, the first crack at minutes. And this team doesn't even need to tank. They're so far behind everybody else in the Western Conference already. So if you're worried about them sitting guys just to lose more basketball games, they sort of don't need to. They're down there with the Knicks and the Hawks already. I don't think they should have a problem staying in the bottom three. I guess the Cavs have been pretty horrible lately, too. Hawks will probably win a few games when they get John Collins back, so that might sort itself out also. So we don't have any games to preview on Thanksgiving, but what I will do on this podcast is throw it out there. First of all, I need you guys to follow me on Twitter for one very key reason, and not the one I mentioned first thing in the podcast. Obviously, the recruiting push is still on, so hit me up if you guys want to be a contributor here at HoopBall or join our blossoming sales team. you got to have daytime availability. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. By the way, you got to also follow the captain, um, but I'll try to direct you guys to him. The reason I want you guys to follow me on Twitter today, Thanksgiving, is because I'm going to be putting out a tweet at about 10 a.m. Pacific time. That is a mailbag call for tomorrow's podcast. Since we have no games to, to review on Friday's show, and we'll obviously do our, you know, our weekend preview edition of the pod, and, and we'll go through the week and go through the pickups, the drops, the holds, all that good stuff. But I'd love to have about 15 to 20 minutes on tomorrow's show of mailbag. So let's get some good questions, and I'll answer the best of the best on the podcast. I'll try to get to the other ones on Twitter at some point, either Thursday or Friday, uh, and that'll be fun. So follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hit me with a mailbag question. Make sure you're doing it in reply to the mailbag tweet I sent out, because that's going to be the way that I organize it and figure out what the actual questions are coming in. So wait for that tweet around 10 a.m., reply to that if you have a question, and then we'll take care of that on a mailbag show tomorrow. Uh, again, thanks to Kurt, and uh, go check out the box score breakdown. They they had all of this information out to you last night. Here you are waiting to today like a sucker. Go get it from the box score breakdown the night before. Uh, for Kurt, I'm Dan. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. I uh, hope you guys are n- not sick to your stomach when you, when you listen to tomorrow's podcast. <laughs> Take care, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.